I am very happy to be with you. And I bet there are at least a couple of you who have been coming to our church in the last two months or so wondering, who's that guy up there preaching? Well, my name's Greg Burtnett, and I've been here for almost 13 years, but the elders at Grace gave uh, my family a two-month sabbatical for these last two months, and this is my first Sunday back, and I am glad to be with you. Praise Jesus. Thank you. During this time, the elders gave me an opportunity to rest and get some uh, goals done that I couldn't do while I was here for 50 or so hours a week, including some honeydews. And when I say honeydews, I mean literally honey. We collected almost five gallons of honey from our two hives. That there is my favorite honeybee. Yeah. She's my favorite of the 50 or 60,000 that I have. And uh, I cleaned out some black holes. Any of you have black holes around your house or office? Unfortunately, after cleaning out one of those black holes, it spontaneously regenerated. Doggone it. Uh, also, on our sabbatical, I was able to go with Mike Ruiz, uh, and we went to the Gospel Coalition Conference in Fullerton, and we looked into Second Timothy, and we were encouraged to press on in the good news. That was spectacular, going down there for a couple of days. One of the most memorable things that I was able to do is my family went south to see my brother before the Navy PCS them to Virginia, and we were able to get my daughter and his son their first fish, Yes, you, you can kind of see there is a fish there. And then I was able to come home and go fishing with our very own Dino Patagannon, and I caught my first surf perch. That was fun. Uh, thank you, Dino. I have said it many times, but I'm not on vacation unless I am out of cell phone range with a fishing pole in my hand. Anybody identify with me on that? I know at least a couple of you do. But this was a sabbatical. It wasn't a vacation. And so the most important thing I think that I did was spend some serious, in-depth time in the book of Philippians. In fact, the fruit of that should start bearing out on January 6th at our regular 6 p.m. service. I'm going to take about 14 weeks and we're going to go through the book of Philippians. And what we're going to find is that because Jesus is Lord, rejoice. Rejoice as you strive together in the face of struggles and opposition while you are sharing the good news. I can't wait. But the bottom line for now is that Don and I want to thank you for the opportunity, for being so gracious to us and giving us this time so that we can rest and recharge, so that we can come back and we can share and serve and love with you and receive that love from you. And we are rejoicing, so praise Jesus. Glad to be back. But what better time to return than my annual Thanksgiving communion sermon? Since 2003, I have been giving a sermon on communion on or around Thanksgiving because I need to be reminded. 
I need to remember what Jesus did for us and the promises that He gave for us at this table. Now, even though our passage this morning isn't quote-unquote about communion, we will see that Paul emphasizes at least two truths that are crucial to understanding what happens at the Lord's table. This visible Word that Jesus gave us that is proclaiming several promises at the same time. Communion is a tangible reminder of at least two things. That we are family in Jesus. We share at the same table. And He also reminds us that we don't live by the strength that food alone can give. Instead, as believers, we live by every word, specifically by every promise that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, including the visible or eatable words at the Lord's table. Today, the bread and the cup is going to remind us to stand firm in the strength that Jesus provides. Because it is Jesus, not our stuff, not our circumstances, not our relationships, that we find the strength that we need to live in light of our daily frustrations that plague us in this sin-sick world. And our individual and our collective relationship to Jesus as citizens in His kingdom is what gives us hope. Both Thanksgiving and the Lord's Supper remind us of the strengthening promises of God for us in Jesus. Now that was a mouthful, so let's see if we can break it down a little bit. Thanksgiving Day is meant to remind us of two complementary and biblical truths. The first is to remind us to remember. The second is to be thankful. Thanksgiving is there to remind us of the things that make us who we are. Our family, our friends, and of course, food. Amen? Come on, men. You can amen me on that. And for those of us who are in Christ, we are reminded specifically to give thanks to the source of all good gifts, which is our Father in heaven. And that's why we give thanks. Not only on the fourth Thursday of November, but every day. And likewise, when we take communion, among other things, we are celebrating the same two complementary biblical ideas. God gives us communion to remind us to remember to be thankful. To give thanks for Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. To give thanks for the freedom that we have in Christ to live for those things that truly matter. God's glory. God's kingdom. Both of which bring us more joy than the toys under the tree or in the driveway. Because it is as we eat the bread and drink the cup that we will be able to stand firm in the strength that Jesus provides. 
Remember, it's Jesus and not food that gives us strength. Earthly feasts are given by God to remind us to be happy and to be thankful. Amen. I'm all for them. But the strength they give will fail. The toys we buy will break. That is, if you can get them put together before Christmas morning. So that's why we need to get close to Jesus. We need to know Jesus, especially as He made Himself known at this table. Get close to Jesus here, and you will know Him better as you struggle through your daily life. When you know Jesus better, you will therefore love Him and trust Him more. So let's get to our passage. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20-4-1. through Paul writes, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. In our passage today, we see four solid promises that you can feast on today and throughout the week so that you will be able to stand firm in the strength that Jesus provides. The first promise is, of course, that Jesus makes us citizens of heaven. Verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to hear this. Our primary duty, our primary loyalty, the first and foremost cause for courage and sacrifice is our citizenship in heaven. Whatever other calls to courage and loyalty and sacrifice there are, and there are other calls, they must take a back seat to the call of the cross. Jesus, not Donald Trump, is your commander-in-chief. Aren't you glad for that? Not only that, but God the Spirit is the one who empowers you to live as citizens of a better kingdom. God the Spirit strengthens you as you take the bread and as you take the cup so that you will be able to stand firm in God's promises. You will not find this strength in Amazon.com. Where do you find it? You find this strength in His Word. You find it in His promises which are stronger than any resolution that you can make. His promises are good and true instead of the lies we find on Cyber Monday. We find strength in God's Word. His written Word, the Bible, and His visible, His eatable Word at the communion table. It is Jesus and not our resolutions, not our promises or those from Madison Avenue that strengthen us to have hope. Because I have broken every resolution I have ever made. But Jesus has not failed me yet. But this verse, of course, reminds 
us, reminds me at least, of another powerful truth. In my case at least, most of you in this room are more closely related to me than my blood relatives. Now, you may be sorry to hear this, but you're going to have to put up with me for thousands of years in heaven. Now, don't worry. Heaven is a big place. And as you take communion in a few minutes, you can celebrate that you are citizens of His kingdom. You can, at your seat, at this table, call upon the Savior whose body and blood you hold to give you the strength to live out that calling. Among other things, to be happy that you're going to spend eternity with me and all the other annoying Christians. Because when you trust in that promise, you will find the strength you need to stand firm in the strength that Jesus provides. Paul gives us another promise to trust for this strength in the same verse. And that is Jesus is coming again. Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pause for a moment. I want you to hear clearly what Jesus' coming again means for those who trust Him. John said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, pay attention. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And we will be His people. God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Jesus is coming again. Focus your heart on this so that the things you crowd your life with will grow strangely dim. Focus your heart on this and Christmas will take on a whole new meaning. Focus your heart on the fact that Jesus is coming again. And you will stand firm in the strength that Jesus provides. Because your ultimate joy will not come from the toys you buy or the things you do on this side of eternity. Your joy right now will not come from these things either. Joy for time and eternity comes from focusing on Christ and especially that He is coming again. Stand firm on this strength and you will not fall. When you take the bread and the cup in a few minutes, imagine yourself feasting at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Imagine yourself with this enormous plate of chili verde and fresh tortillas and sugarcane Coca-Cola. Oh, I'm sorry. I was imagining Imagine yourself at that wedding feast. When you take this, and you will find strength for your soul. 
rejoice because this small, very quick, very fast, not really all that great meal points to the most wonderful meal of all eternity. The great meal where you will celebrate all that Christ has done in us and through us and for us. And we need this strength among many other reasons because the next promise that Paul points to is very relevant to every single one of us. Jesus will transform us. Verse 21, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. I turned 47 during my sabbatical. My tendonitis is killing me, even this morning. That, that arthritis that's developing in my right thumb, both of which reminded me of my birthday much more clearly and personally than Facebook did. That injury I got on my hip when I was 23 years old reminded me that I don't recover from stuff as quickly as I used to. Anybody sing this song with me? You, you know what I'm talking about? Man, alive! What are we going to do? Where are we going to find hope in, in light of this? It is that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, will transform this lowly body to be like His glorious body. I need an amen for that. You will lose hope. You will be discouraged in your fight against whatever flavor of sin it is that you fight if you think and act as if this body is the only one you get. You will be depressed if you see your bucket list becoming more and more impossible because your body is wearing out. But if you trust the promises of God for you in Christ, then eating at the communion table reminds you that you will get a new body. And as you celebrate in just a few minutes at the Lord's table, you will fight that discouragement that comes from living as a practical atheist. What do I mean by living as a practical atheist? That discouragement that we get because we start thinking that this is all we get. You can fight this discouragement and therefore fight the various temptations you have because you know that the best is yet to come. And it's even better than my wife's pumpkin pie. Which will also be at the wedding supper of the Lamb, by the way. You'll get to try it then, if not before. The simple truth is that we all have our flavor of sin and we all must find our strength not in resolutions and not in the newest electronic toy, but in God's Word, in the promises He gives us in the Bible and in the promises He gives us at the table. And sitting at the Lord's table is designed to remind us how personal how 
intimate, even how bodily, how physical Jesus is in meeting our needs. So the next time you sit in front of your internet toy, put it down. And remember an even better promise. Remember to trust the promises of God for you that we hear at this table so that you will be able to stand firm in the strength you will only find from Jesus. Now Paul gives us another promise. Verse 21 again, Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Oh, my family, my friends who sit with me at this table, this is so crucial. The strength you need to fight your temptations is not within you. Don't believe every positive thinking person you find on YouTube. The strength you need to fight your temptation is in Christ. My hope is not in my work. It is in Jesus' work. Jesus is the one who transforms Forms me. You will not transform yourself no matter what you do or don't do. So, you and I can begin this morning by eating His promises and finding strength in them because it is Him who is at work in us both to desire and to do His good pleasure. Especially that good pleasure of eating the bread and drinking the cup. But what about this Christ subjecting all things to Himself? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you can start trusting when you're fearful or frustrated. And I'm not just talking about politics. Because no matter which side of the aisle you sit on, you know that your earthly government is failing. Surprised I didn't get an amen from that. Your government could do much better. But I'm talking about the wildfires. I'm talking about the random shootings. I'm talking about the earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and all the things that happen around us. They, too, are servants of God for His glory. And one day, one sweet day, all the futility, all the hopelessness of this world will end. My daughter still loves to sing. She loves to sing with me. And she still thinks I have a good voice. Don't tell her otherwise. And one of the songs that we are singing right now celebrates this truth. Be still my soul. The waves and wind still know His voice who ruled them while He dwelt below. We have the story in the Gospels of Jesus walking on the storming waters. 
so that you would know that Jesus walks on the stormy waters in your heart. So that you would find strength in His promises. That He is in control. He is all-powerful. He is mighty. By the way, if Jesus is almighty, and if Jesus does most of His work through His church, what ought that to say to us about what we are doing when there are wildfires and shootings and hurricanes and earthquakes, tornadoes? Ought we not to be a part of the solution? I was reminded of this when one of our own here at Grace invited people of the affected area of the wildfire down south to come stay with them. Now you may not know anybody in those areas and you may not have an extra room to invite them to. But what can you do? How much time have you thought about it? How much time have you prayed about it? Right now, up by the campfire, we have an associated church, Life Springs Church in Chico, that is 15 minutes away from where much of the devastation happened. Find out. Read about it in your bulletin. Find out. Call them up. Ask them, is there anything that you could do? Could you bring something? Could you buy something? Could you help somebody? Ask Jesus what you might do. And he might just surprise you because he is almighty after all. He might be able to work through you. Only knowing that Jesus is all-powerful and therefore controls the waves and winds and wildfires of your life will give you the strength to stand firm in the strength that Jesus provides. But you know, it's worse than that. It gets even more personal than that. You have wildfires in your souls. You have temptations just like I do that are out of control. Anybody with me on that one? God is all-powerful. And He is able to help. In fact, He promises to do so. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you could bear, but He will also provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 You can trust Jesus when you're tempted. You can trust Jesus when you're tempted because you know that A, He is all-powerful, and B, He has promised a way of escape. Now, I, I suspect most of you are like me. When I am tempted, usually, I know that I'm being tempted, number one. And number two, I know the way of escape. Very often, that way of escape is simply stand up and walk away. But we don't want to do that. Because this is our flavor of sin. This is our Doc Bernstein's Elvis special. And we want some more. But Jesus is all-powerful and He has promised to make a way of escape. 
So trust Him. And when you trust in the promises of God for you and Jesus, you will stand firm in the strength that He provides. Now let me, allow me to pause from preaching and get straight into meddling here. On what... What do you depend on to give you hope in the face of boredom and frustrations of your life? I mean, let's be honest, most of us aren't facing getting thrown to the lions, are we? Most of us are struggling with frustrations and boredom. And so, what is it that we do? What is it that we dive into when we're wanting to get away from this? No, be honest with yourself, it's okay. You know where you struggle, but so does Jesus. And He will give you strength if you depend upon Him. So this is what you do. This afternoon or this evening, sometime when you're by yourself, go before the Lord. Say, Lord, what temptation is it that you want me to deal with you about right now? And He will reveal a relationship that you're still bitter about. He will reveal something that you're coveting that you just can't get out of your mind. And the proper response at that moment is to say, Jesus, you're right. Forgive me and give me the strength so that I can stand firm in the face of that temptation. And if you do, you have to make a decision. You have to decide at that moment, I am going to fight this temptation. Now keep in mind, just because you fight doesn't mean you're always going to win. In fact, you won't. But you will fight. And you'll get stronger to fight against it. And when you fail, guess what? The answer is easy. Jesus, forgive me for I have sinned. And then, after you confess, you praise Jesus because He does not keep score. This is what you do. This is the next step. This is where you find your strength. You find it in the promises of God's Word so that you can stand up under it. You can stand firm in the promises Jesus provides. Make no mistake. It is Christ in you and the strength that He provides that will enable you to be the godly man or woman in Christ you want to be. And make no mistake. You must choose to walk in this strength that Christ provides. You will find this strength in His Word, in the promises found in His written Word, and in the promises found in His visible Word, in His eatable Word. Communion. You can begin that as you take the bread and cup. You can know and experience and live in the knowledge of Jesus' personal, intimate, even physical, bodily care for you. Now, speaking of this kind, fatherly, loving care, Paul gives us hope that secures these promises together. Chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, 
for whom I long. My joy and my crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul loves these Philippians. He's crazy about them. But how does the knowledge of Paul's love for the Corinthians help me in my struggles? If you are in Christ, you are safe and you are loved. If you are in Christ, you are safe and you are loved. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Oh, weary soul. Take a moment and feast on this. Paul knows these Philippians. He knows their struggle. He knows the flavor of sin they crave. And he loves them. Your Father in Heaven loves you no less. In fact, He loves you infinitely more. Do you long to be known? Do you long to be known for who you are and loved? Come to the table. You will find that this is no fantasy. This is reality for those who are in Christ. You are safe and you are loved. My friends, you find in the New Testament that Jesus loves you exactly as you are and He loves you too much to leave you as you are. So He gives you promises that you can stand firm in. You will be strong in the strength that Jesus provides to the extent that you realize He already knows everything there is to know about you. The good, the bad, the ugly. And He loves you. When you eat the bread in a moment, when you drink the cup, picture in your mind's eye Jesus giving it to you personally. Even though He knows everything there is to know about you. Because He loves you. And He wants you to enjoy that time with Him right here. Do this and you will stand firm in the strength that Jesus provides. Lord Almighty, as we come before Your table, I pray that You would open Your living, visible, eatable Word to us. Help us to hear the promises that You are declaring to us now so that we will be strong, so that we will stand firm in the strength that only You provide. Meet us here, Lord Jesus. Meet us here so that we will be strong in You.